Matthew. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. I want you to get this clear. There was a surface, there was the deep, and there was water. These things are all already present before God begins to speak, before our document of God begins to speak. We see that in Genesis 1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So who created them? God. God created these, but the account of him first speaking doesn't come until the next verse in verse 3. And it says, and God said, let there be light. The better translation there is light be. Light be. Why is that important? Because words matter. And there was light. God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night and there was evening and there was morning and the first day. Here's the problem with this creation account is we get very confused by this because later on what we see is in day four, we see the creation of the sun and the moon, the greater light and the lesser light. We're like, hold on a second. Didn't you already do that in verse three in day to create day one, you created light. And now we're at day four and you're creating light? Like, I don't understand. Is this a recap of the story? Which, by the way, many times if you read the book of Genesis, you'll see that many times God will, it's a, it's an, it's a common linguistic style. Uh, many times when you were writing, when you're learning to write in English in school, they may have told you, uh, or, or preaching, this is one of the things they teach you, is say what you're going to say, say what you say, tell them what you just said. Okay? So tell them what you're going to say, say what you're going to say, and then tell them what you said. So three times you rearticulate that. But in Jewish literature, especially in Genesis, many times what they'll do is they'll tell you uh, the premise of the story, and then they'll break down that story. So they tell the story twice. In fact, if you read most stories in Genesis, you'll see that they tell the story twice every single time. And some people had speculated for a long time that it looks like two different accounts, two different people wrote it, and they combined them. And they're like, okay, let's put both of them together. But actually, this is just a very common uh, Jewish cultural story. You tell the story, and then you go back and tell it and fill in different details. You fill in more detail to it. So kind of like one is, is um, uh, the best way to put it now would be one is the trailer to the movie, one is the movie. So you watch a trailer, you get a sense of what the whole story is about. I don't like to watch movie trailers personally. If I know I'm going to watch a movie, I don't watch the trailer. Because you already know what's going to happen in the movie. They give you everything, and you're watching it. And, you know, the, the bad guy is coming to the superhero, and he's like, dun, dun, dun. You're like, mm, he survives this because that scene hasn't come up yet later. Like, you know, oh, no, they haven't gone to the mountaintop and battled, so he survives this. Right? And you already know what's going to happen. So I don't like, so I just watch a trailer just long enough to go, yep, going to watch that. And I click off of it immediately. I don't want any more information. And so the trailer becomes a, a story all by itself that kind of gives you a synopsis of the story. And then you, you want to go in for more. And that's what Genesis does most of the time. It gives you a trailer and then it gives you the details. And so we see that here. But this particular scripture is not that. Because Genesis actually gives us a creation story later. This one is not that. What it is, is scientific uh, timeline. And what I mean by that is that what we see here is that we, we, we argue about whether or not God created the heavens and the earth, uh, or excuse me, the sun and the moon on day four. And what was he doing in verse three when he created light and he spoke into the darkness and created light. There was the earth, there was water, and there was light. And we're going to come back to this in just a couple of minutes. I'm going to show you a video that's going to make this case for me, but we'll get to that. Um, first, we have to understand the creation order of, of the universe. The most accepted scientific theories that we have, the number one most provable scientific theory in all of science is the... Uh, Second law of thermodynamics, second law. Okay, the first rule of thermodynamics is 
that, uh, that states that energy can neither be created or destroyed. Okay, so that's the first rule of thermodynamics is that energy can neither be created nor destroyed. If energy cannot be created nor destroyed, yet at some point it was created, who created the thing that cannot be created? It can't be created and it cannot be destroyed. You and I do not have the power to destroy creation itself. We have the power given by God to take dominion over it and to shape it, but we do not have the power to destroy it. When God created everything, it was finished. It is locked from our perspective. The second rule, before I get to that, Genesis 2, 1 through 2 says this, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. So we see that the first rule of thermodynamics is nothing can be created or destroyed. And we see Genesis say the heavens and earth were completed. They are complete. It is a finished work. It cannot be changed. The second law of thermodynamics, which is the most provable law in, in all of science, is that everything is breaking down into disorder or chaos. Entropy. So it's a gradual decline into disorder. I want you to understand, the second law of thermodynamics, everything is breaking down. Everything is dying. Everything is getting more chaotic. This stands in stark contrast to what science wants to teach you about our world, that somehow the second law of thermodynamics, that everything is breaking down into entropy or disorder, that at the same time, everything is becoming more orderly or evolution, that somehow everything is advancing or evolving at the same time it's dissolving. Both of those cannot live at the same time because the second law of thermodynamics, which is the most provable, trumps any other hypothesis. By the way, if you did not know this, when you're learning about evolution, evolution is not a theory. A theory is something that's been duplicated and proved in a lab. It's something that, for instance, a theory, the theory of gravity is that if I throw up my water bottle, it's going to do what? It's going to fall. Well, my hypothesis is if I throw it up, it'll just linger in the air. That's a hypothesis. You might hypothesize it's going to what? Fall. In order to become a theory, we have to demonstrate that. You say it's going to fall. Well, let me try it. It fell. If she does it, if you do it, if you do it, if you do it, what's it going to do? Fall. Because I can duplicate this, it becomes a theory. You understand? It takes a whole lot for something to move from a theory to a law. A law is beyond a theory. And so the evolution is merely a hypothesis because nobody can prove it or replicate it in any way, shape, or form. Still to this day, we do not have fossil records of transitional animals. We do not have those. They have never been found. We dig a whole lot. We have lots of fossils. We've never found transitional animals ever. It's amazing. I won't get into all that today, but I'm just going to stay there. So everything is breaking down gradually into disorder. And, and so let me just say it this way. The universe is dying. It has an expiration date. Stephen Hawking and other phys physicians have remarked uh, on their fear that there's this God particle, the particle I talked about last week that jumps in and out of existence and some of the ways in which it operates. And they've looked at the second law of thermodynamics and that God particle, and they believe it holds the key to the universe eventually collapsing on itself. So even some of the greatest cosmologists believe that the universe is going to eventually come to an end and collapse on itself, uh, even though they're trying to support this idea that somehow it's improving. Uh, but in Matthew 24, 
24, 35, it says, the heavens and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. I, listen to what it says. It doesn't say the heavens and earth may pass away, but my words will never pass away. It says the heavens and the earth will pass away. Who's speaking here? Jesus. Jesus himself is speaking. The heavens and the earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. The Bible knew the universe had a lifespan. See, what happened was is that Adam and Eve fell. They disobeyed God, and they started thermodynamics. They set entropy in motion into the earth. And here's what's cool. I can actually kind of prove that scientifically. I'm getting to it. I'm getting to it. We'll see if I want to get there right now. I like to wait and make you guys like, what? Did, what? He went somewhere else. <laughs> Rabbit trail. <laughs> Adam and Eve sinned and entropy set into the cells of man. It set into the, the molecules of the universe. So the universe breaking down into chaos, it's not getting more advanced. Order cannot come from chaos. You guys understand that? Order cannot come from chaos. I like the classic example of, I'm wearing a nice watch today. Uh, it keeps really accurate time. This time on my watch is much better than that clock back there. Um, and so I rely on my watch. It's an excellent watch. It keeps perfect um, time. I only have to adjust the time every couple of years. So it's really close to very, very accurate. It's a nice watch. It's my favorite colors. Like I like these, right? It goes with my shoes. So I like these as far as matching. And, um, uh, and what happened was, is uh, there was a pile of trash in the back of the church there. And we had a really strong wind and the trash blew over and it all mixed together and out uh, the trash and the trash bag and the garbage and all that and the old cup and stuff, somehow they just kind of mashed together and they formed this watch. And it was, it was set to the right time. Like not only was it pretty and, and everything was in its right place, but it was on the right time. Does anybody believe me? It was super cool. Nobody believes me? It's kind of like, this is kind of like Eli when he was a kid. I'm going to tell on him, right? Because uh, that's what I get to do. Uh, I warn them, they make me suffer as a parent. This is the only way I get vengeance, okay? So, so we came into his room one time and we, we, he had this nice bed and it was beautiful dark wood and, and, and I looked down and on the end of his bed carved with a knife was the word E-L-I. And so I sat him down and I said, you, you, want, you want to tell me what that is? And he looked and went, I, I don't know. I was like, really? It kind of looks like your name. And he goes, yeah, it does. And I said, you want to tell me why you carved your name into your bed? Me? I didn't do that. And I'm like, well, you, you got a knife over there. You, you have pocket knives. And I'm like, you, you're telling me you didn't take that pocket knife and carve that name into your bed. No. And I'm like, well, who did? He goes, I'm pretty sure my brothers did it. I think he blamed Caleb. I'm pretty sure he blamed you. He's like, yeah, I think Caleb did that. He I said, you want me to believe that Caleb went and got your knife, went to your bed and carved your name into it? Yeah. Do we believe that? Does anybody here believe that? So the other alternative is, is that some ants came into the house, some carpenter ants who like wood, and ate away only the wood that would spell out Eli. On his bed only. Is there any chance that happened? <laughs> that is the correct scientific answer. Ryan has given the right answer. It is possible. Is it probable? Is it reasonable? Is it duplicatable? So it cannot be science. The probability of that happening is greater or more likely 
than the universe creating itself or trash making my watch or life coming out of lifelessness. The idea that goo created itself and then found a way to create life is preposterous and way more scientifically unlikely than even the carving, let alone the watch. Okay, you with me? And so what's crazy is so God speaks the world into existence and he declares and says, light be, and the earth begins to spring to life. The waters begin to teem. Everything begins to be set in motion. And the second he says, light be, what comes into existence at that very moment, because we haven't had the fish yet and the seas and the uh, form and the water and the land and the man and the... And the beast, we haven't had any of that form yet. But what we have had is something unique start, time itself. When God speaks, let there be light. Light is the fastest moving thing through the entire universe. And so the delivery system of everything is activated and a time span begins. Light traveling becomes the measurement of time in the universe. So we know the universe is not doing that. Now, here's the interesting thing. When God speaks out of his mouth and says, light be, what's interesting about light is it never stops. In fact, anything traveling through the vacuum of space never stops. It breaks every rule of, of, of physics on earth. For many, a long time, we believed that the physics of earth was the physics of everything, but it is not. Unless it comes in trajectory with something else, unless it comes with impact of something else, light will uh, continue to travel. Comets will continue to travel. They'll never cease. They'll never slow down, but they'll continue at that rate. And what's interesting about that is, is that when God said, let there be light, when God spoke from the heavens, that voice is still continuing to go out. Now, if God spoke the whole universe into existence... And then he said, let there be light to begin to create. I want you to understand that. The earth was there and water was there. The basic elements were there. But it's not until he said, let there be light, that things began to create and shape and turn into something. At this point, there are no stars in the heavens. There are no stars. There's no light. There's no time being documented. In fact, here's the great thing is that if science looks back into, uh, uh, into a telescope where they try to look backwards in time by looking a distance away, they cannot look back into a time where there is no light. For them, light is the process at which they look back. And so when they get to the point where the universe is dark, they can no longer see it. So the beginning of time for them is the moment that light is created. The James Webb Telescope, I'll show you a picture of that. I have that. The James Webb Telescope just recently was launched, most advanced telescope in the world, and this is what it looked at. This is one of the pictures from the telescope. They're looking at here, and, and you can't see it from this distance, but there's fully formed galaxies. If you see these elongated things, stars, fully formed galaxies, every one of those are fully formed galaxies. You guys online can, let me move over to the right, there you go. You guys online can see that accurately. And what's interesting about this is they took this picture expecting to see galaxies unformed, planets unformed. They expected to see everything in a process because the distance they're looking at in this photo, according to them, is over 300 million years ago. So they looked at this and they said, something's really wrong. We should see galaxies in the beginning stages of forming. They should just be kind of all starting to come together. Yet what we found when we look back is fully formed, functional galaxies. And so they started to look back even further and they got back to about 180 million years where they say it should just be absolute chaos. Just particles everywhere. And what they found instead is fully formed galaxies. See, the, the problem is, is that the word of God is true and they don't understand it, is that God said, in the beginning, I created everything and the earth was void and then light came. The earth was here and it even had water, 
before he spoke light, which means at the first moment that we can look back into, if you believe that you can look backwards in time, there are differing theories on that, but I'm just going to meet them halfway in the middle. Does that make sense? Sometimes what I say to you scientifically is not that there is not creationists that will challenge what I'm saying. I'm saying that I don't have to make the argument to go against everything they believe to prove that God is right. So I can meet them halfway and say they're looking backwards in time 300 billion years. I don't have to challenge any of that. Does that make sense? So don't take me and go, oh, you think, you know, this is not about young earth or old earth or anything like that. I just don't have to make that argument and we get caught up in a bad argument. If I don't have to make that, there's no point. So let's just take them at the fine. It's 300 billion years, the light years away. Let's look at that. That's perfectly fine. The problem is what you can't do is they can't. This is the most advanced telescope in the world. They completely expected to find a moment where the galaxy is forming. The light has finally reached them. They should see the beginning of the further they look back, the further they should be able to see the creation from 300 million years ago. Because that 186 thousand miles per second has taken 300 billion years to reach us. And now we can look at that image from that long ago. That's their premise. So what we find is fully formed galaxies. You mean exactly like the Bible said, I formed the earth. It did not have anything on the surface. The formation of life was not yet here but it was there, it's a rock, it's got water, it's got all the elements. And then I said, let there be light. And the moment where you can visibly see it has started. And so no matter how far they've looked back, science has now had to change their dates and understanding of the beginning of the universe. Here's the thing that I found about science. They seem to be so sure they're 100% right and we should go with them, yet they keep changing their mind an awful lot. Yeah, I don't think they know what they're doing. I'm just going to put it that way. When the Bible is proven right every single time, yet science keeps changing its mind on everything. Well, I'm going to talk to you about the, one of the most provable things in the world is the theory of rev- relativity, except now quantum science is saying it's not right. Einstein's theory. I don't think they know how to mix anything right. Okay? They call it science, and I just call it poison. I think I'll be okay. All right. So we see by that photo, they look back, they saw all the universes were already there. So here's the truth. Because the Bible says it was fully formed before God said, let there be light, because there was already formation and water and, and the earth and rock was already present. The second that light would have entered into the universe, you would have seen all those rocks fully formed, the galaxies already set there in motion. All right, And what we see is that their first light is different than the sun and the moon. According to science, the first light in the universe was not the sun and the moon. There were no suns and stars yet created. There were planetary systems, but... The, the first light actually came from different mixtures of gases, they believe. They still argue over what those mixtures look like or what elements were there. But what they do know is that there was a light present in the very beginning, which allowed things to start forming. So that light being present, the um, thermodynamics of, of the universe and the heat uh, created the, the atmosphere for things to begin to form. So stars are not yet birthed at this moment. This is what, cre- this is what uh, uh, scientists say, is that there was light before suns. So we start to see the Genesis account make sense, that the sun was a second light. It was not the original light. And we can actually kind of prove that that's the case. All right, so God spoke into the universe. A sound wave traveled across the entire universe. But here, here's my thing. As God is speaking that light, and he says, light be, it means that light that are from original creation is still traveling. So when we look at science and say, hey, science, what do you think about what the Bible says? What they tell you is that maybe you've heard this before, the universe is still expanding. Have you heard that? The universe is continuing to expand. It's a, and they say it's expanding so fast now. It's, it's a cone shape. I have a picture of the expanse of the universe. And it's a cone shape. You see it there. And what originally was expanding very slow, 
has now sped up. And the more it expands, the faster the rate of expansion. They say now that the universe, is, get this, the universe is expanding faster than the speed of light. The expanding is happening. Nothing's moving. There's just more universe. Nothing can travel faster than the speed of light. But the universe is expanding, or there's just more universe suddenly there that the, the speed of light can't keep up with. And so we're causing stars in our solar system to disappear from our eyes because their light is so far away and it's expanding at such a rate that that light will never reach us again. So there are less stars in the sky today than there were a year ago. And they continue to disappear. Maybe one day you'll be looking up at a star and it'll just blink out. Doesn't mean it exploded. It's just light is too far away and it will never reach us again. And that's a crazy theory. And, and the idea that the universe is expanding and they all agree on this. So you're telling me that something is causing the universe, which God spoke into existence, to continue. The Bible says that his word never returns void. It still goes out and does everything it means to accomplish. It is continuing forth for the rest of all of time. His voice goes out and it continues to create the universe. It has never ceased. And now it's even going at a much faster pace. Now, here's what's crazy about that is I, I have all these cool beakers here, right? They're full of liquid. You know, they're, they're fantastic. Um, and, and, and I mean, they're great. If, if, if I can't flip it over because we'll make a mess. But if this is the funnel of the solar system, you can see the expanding timeline, right? And if this is the entire solar system up to this point of expanse, the whole solar system is in this, and it's expanding, my question is this. If, if this is everything, what is it expanding into? What is the universe expanding into that there's more room available for it to grow? Because it, it has to go somewhere, right? If I fill up this bottle right here, this is the whole universe that's in here, and I fill it up, which is going to be, I'm making purple. If I fill it up until it's full, and this is all there ever was, what happens if I keep adding to it? Where is it going to go? Oh, now it's on the table. I didn't tell them I was going to do this. Now it's on the table. But we're just still expanding the universe here. I mean, it's still, oh, oh, now it's on the floor. Oh, boy. I didn't think this through. Now, now it's everywhere. See, it expanded, and when it got to the... If that's all there is, if the universe is everything there is, what is it expanding into? Well, in our case, it expanded to the table and expanded to the floor, expanded to my shoe. But the universe has to expand into something. See, there is something beyond what we have here that it can expand into. The Bible says that all of the universe sits in the palm of God's hand. And so there is something beyond this place, another realm, another place that the universe can expand. His arm is not short. His hand is not small. It is expanding in the palm of his hand. He holds it all. So there is room for the expansion. And his word does not return void. Amen? There was an era in the universe called the Dark Ages. It was the era where they say that everything was dark. That there was no light. Listen to this dark, the dark ages. All right. So there's this dark age. So they even say there was an era in which the universe itself was there, but it was dark. An era that existed before the stars and the galaxies. They can't see it, but mostly remain a mystery because they can't see into it. Okay. The dark ages represent our origins when the very first stars were formed and created. That's what scientific says. This is what he says right here. It says, the dark ages represent our origin when the very first stars formed and created the heavy elements we are made of today, said the, uh, theoretical astrophysicist Abraham Loeb. He's the chairman of astronomy department at Harvard University. So they all agree that there was this age of darkness before the age of the, uh, the dark ages of the universe. The cosmos was so hot that all the atoms that existed were split into 
into positively charged nuclei and negatively charged uh, electrons. Those electrically charged ions blocked all light from traveling freely. So I want you to understand that, okay? According to space.com, there's this uh, scientific article where all of them are blocked. So the, the negatively charged ions and, and, and all these particles were actually blocking light from actually passing through. So light was withheld and not allowed to be released. So there was something here blocking and preventing light until it finally was. And then what they say is approximately 400,000 years after the Big Bang, which now the, 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 the Webb telescope has proven wrong, 400,000 years after the Big Bang, the universe cooled down enough for these ions to recombine into atoms, enabling the first light in the cosmos that from the Big Bang to finally shine. I want you to catch that. So now they're saying there was stuff here before there was light, and then suddenly there was light. Just like the Bible. Just like the Bible says, the exact create. But the question then remains, okay, the Bible has an accurate understanding, but how did desert-wandering nomads understand the scientific principles that just now our greatest minds are figuring out with advanced technology to look? How would they have known about all this stuff if God didn't truly do it and reveal it to them? But did God actually speak the universe into existence? Well, if he did, we should be able to see some kind of resonance or some kind of remnant of that. Uh, now, if you guys have ever thrown a rock into a pond, it creates ripples. There is an evidence. They get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller as they go out. But there is a lasting evidence of the impact of that rock. Right? There's a frequency being generated by the water, a wave of motion being generated by the water. If God spoke that out, sound travels in a wave very similar to the way water would move from a ripple of a rock. And so there should be evidence of that. So I'm just going to read this to you from this article on space.com. Article number 661, if, if you want the research. The early universe rang with the sound of countless cosmic bells, which filled the primordial darkness with ripples like the surface of the pond pounded by stones. The wave, the wave fronts later served as spawning grounds for galaxies, astronomers announced Tuesday. I don't know what Tuesday. Something similar should have happened with sound, explained Daniel Einstein of the University of Arizona and leader of one of the studies based on the Sloan Digital Sky Survey. In the dark era, if you pushed on a pocket of hot gas, it would resist you being compressed and it would bounce back. The whole thing sits there and rings like a bell. Einstein said, the thick hot soup would transmit sound waves in the same manner that air or water do. When the fog cleared, the sound waves would have remained as countless ripples of material. Now, here's the neat part. Think of a rock dropping into the pine like, uh, pond, like I said. Einstein suggested the ripples are the areas where the extra water is piled up. In the early cosmos, the sound ripples would have been areas where extra matter piled up. The more galaxies should have formed along these ripples than anywhere else. The twist is the extra matter represented uh, by the rock also helped form galaxies, he said. Hang on just a bit more. Since all this happened, the universe has expanded about a thousand times. So the location of each rock and its associated ripple should be about 500 million light years apart. So they, they measured. If in fact sound contributed to creation... This is, remember, this is a secular scientist not trying to prove God, just trying to look at what he sees. And he says, if this is true, then we should find a ripple at 500 million light years based on the expansion of the universe apart. If this actually happened, then there ought to be more galaxies separated by that distance than any other distance. And that's exactly what the Sloan Sky Survey found. This last ring that they saw forever quieter and deeper in tone as the universe expands. It's now so faint as to be detectable only by the most sensitive of surveys. 
So it's getting fainter and fainter and fainter, which means it has a source point. I have a picture here that dis demonstrates that galaxy and its formation there and the, and the sound waves. So right there, you can see, if you can see there, the center being the brightly colored area, and then each ring, and on the rings, you can see different galaxies where they've placed them, and they found the largest mass of galaxies across the universe on those ripple points, just like water would ripple or sound waves would ripple, proving that not only did the universe burst forward, but it burst forward from sound, that a bell rang out. Okay, so we have a bang, don't we? God spoke and bang, it happened, right? You've heard that. All right. So God speaks, it continues to go out, the universe is expanding, it's traveling, light's going. Now, now here's the interesting thing, is that the problem with all of this theory is that sound doesn't actually travel through a vacuum, did you know that? Some of you are like, mm, your theory is awesome, sound waves can't travel through a vacuum, so that doesn't make any sense because sound waves can't travel through a vacuum. Remember last week I told you about that crazy uh, quantum experiment where they fired light protons and the light protons when they observed turns, turned into particles. They were like little bullets, but when they were unobserved and no, we weren't here to watch them, they acted as waves. Light acted as waves, but when we observed them, they traveled as a straight beam particle. Okay. Do you guys know that the only reason we have lasers today is quantum mechanics? It's quantum mechanics that gave us lasers, allowed us to manipulate and control the shape of light okay, into a beam that could cut through things. So light responds as a wave unless we're watching it, and then it's, then it's a, 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 a straight beam. So it's a wave. Now, here's the interesting thing about that is sound cannot travel through the vacuum of space. If, if you were up in space and trying to communicate to someone else, you wouldn't be able to in a vacuum. No sound would travel. But there's this interesting thing. Uh, maybe some of you guys have a stereo that on the back of your stereo system or the back of the TV, you notice there's this red light. Anybody seen that? There's a hookup on the back of your TV or stereo. It's called an optical input or output and it's a red beam of light, and you can buy this cable called an optical cable, and you can plug that in, and it will shoot a red beam of light out of the other side. It's fiber optic, okay? Maybe some of you guys have fiber optic internet, okay? That is a light beam shooting through a fiber cable, optic being the light, and, and on the other end, the red light comes out, and you plug that in your stereo system, and all of a sudden, you have the sound from your TV through your stereo system. Light and sound can be interchanged. Sound can become light and travel through a vacuum and then on the other end, change back into a wave of sound. And since light travels as a wave until we look at it, and we know that now, that means that sound and light were both traveling. So sound was traveling in the form of light through the vacuum of space, like your optical cable, like your fiber optic. Data can be transmitted through light. Light itself carries data. Isn't that interesting that the very thing God sent out was data itself? It's the fastest form of transmitting data that we have. It's through light. All right. Is that interesting? Yeah. All right. It's about to get crazy, okay? You guys want it to get crazy? All right. I'm seeing where I left you guys hanging just for a second. Because this is complicated scientific material, I don't, I don't want to put too much on you in just one service, and we're going to lead up to some of the more interesting things that, that, uh, that we're going to see happen. I'm going to make some challenges to Stephen Hawkins. The last time I did this sermon series, um, I directly challenged and played a video of Stephen Hawking's proposals about how the universe worked, and then I challenged and broke them down and beat them into the, the ground, and then Stephen Hawkins died two weeks later. 
Everybody said I killed him. They said, I think he watched your sermon. I think that was the end. He was like, uh, couldn't take it. So it is what it is. So God speaks light into existence. Okay, so before I get to this video, let me get to the, the point of what I said. Remember I said FTL, faster than light, and whether or not we can transmit things and, and what God can do, because God said, let there be light. And the word of God says that not only did God say, let there be light, but then when he looked at the light, he called it good. He called light good. He said, this is a good thing. And then it says he separated light from darkness. That God separated. In fact, if you look at most of Genesis, you'll see that God spent a lot of his time separating things. That's what he did. Separated land from the ocean. He separated sky and, and the land. He separated things into their kinds. And he, he did a lot of creating and then separating. And, and it's really interesting. So he created and he separated. This is really important. So there was a point where they were all joined, right? Light itself he separated it into darkness. First, he created it, and then he separates it. So that means if there was a separation, it means once there was a togetherness. Once those things were together, they were linked and locked together, and there's a moment that causes them to separate into that. Now, what's interesting is because nothing can travel fast with the speed of light, and God has already released light into the universe, how in the world is he supposed to catch it to separate it? In a, in, a, in a theoretical scientific probability. Not, not God's bigger, he can do whatever he wants. That's not an answer. That's not what we're doing in this series. We can all have faith. That's awesome. We have faith. We're doing science this week. So now it is the fastest moving thing in the entire universe. God has not yet separated it before he made it. He makes it, he says, yep, that's good. And then he separates it. How'd he catch it? Is there anything that can go faster than the speed of light, according to science? Anything that might give us some intel into what's happening. Uh, I got some pictures of something that's called quantum entanglement here. And these are two particles, subatomic particles. And you'll see here that they're two separate particles that live on both sides. They are completely independent of one another, meaning that they are separate particles. They're not joined together by anything. But they have a unique characteristic, quantum entanglement. What that means is two unique, separate particles that share information simultaneously. And it does not matter the distance in which the particles are removed from one another. They don't just share information between them faster than the speed of light. They actually share information between them instantaneously. There is not a calculable speed to them. They've ran this through, and some of you guys, I'm not getting into CERN today, but CERN is like the largest particle accelerator that there is in the world, and, and uh, they ran it through there, and they can't detect a speed through it. Okay, so there is no speed. It happens instantaneously at the exact same moment. When information is passed from one particle, no matter how far that other particle is, it can be across the entire universe. It will receive that data, and science are sure of it. They are dead sure of this. It will receive that data instantaneously. There is zero delay between them. So it can travel faster. This is called quantum entanglement. What it means is these two particles are linked together. They are unseparated. They are different but exactly the same in, in cohesiveness. They share the same information. And so scientists say that we could use this to communicate over long distances of space, but yet they, they can't seem to make it work. Like they say, there's almost, they can't figure out a way because there's this unique property that happens to one, uh, one of them. Remember, quantum physics is all about, if you look at it, it changes and behaves differently. And so what happens is, is these two, they, cre they can create these particles that become quantum entangled. And so now they are linked to each other. They can send one across the entire universe and whatever they do to one will be registered on the other one instantaneously. 
And so what happens is, is as soon as they observe it, um, these, these particles exist in a quantum state, which means they are both spinning up and down at the same time. They've made no decision on which way they want to spin. Remember, we said uh, uh, electrons move one direction or the other, ones and zeros like a computer program. And so they go in both directions. When you look at them, this is, the, this is crazy. When you look at them, when you observe them, they will choose a direction. The one, the particle you look at will choose a direction. And it turns out across the board, it's 50%. 50% of the time, it'll choose to go up. 50% of the time, it'll choose to go down. And it will rotate that way. The second we observe it, the other particle will choose the opposite. I want you to catch this. It'll choose the opposite. So if we observe particle A on the, on the right side, and it chooses to spin down, its quantum brother on the other side will go up simultaneously. At the exact same moment, they will pick a direction to spin forever, break the quantum entanglement. If you, if you change it and make the other one go the other way, that one will no longer respond. It's a one-shot deal. Once you choose its path, the other one will pick the opposite and go with that. Do you hear what I'm saying right now? And God said, let there be light and saw that it was good. And then he separated light from darkness. It's opposite. It's opposite. Quantum entangled particles of light. And then the second he observes them and says they're good, he looks at them and says it's good, which means he observes these particles of light. And as soon as he observes them, they split. One going dark, one being light. They go in different directions. Do you understand? They become opposites of each other, and they are separated from one another forever. God was speaking quantum physics before we get out of the first five verses of the Bible. We didn't even make it to four yet, and he's already explained the laws of physics Right? In the very first verse, time, space, matter, and energy, that's the laws of this physics. And then by verse 3, so the laws of our physical world, which is physics, and underneath our physical world is the subatomic particle level, which is another set of physics called quantum physics, and we don't get out of verse 3 before God is already doing both of those. What? Desert wandering nomads. Pretty smart guys, huh? This is crazy that God is explaining advanced scientific principles in the first three verses of the Bible. We haven't even left it. That God separated them when he observed them. And that's how science is now observing and separating these particles that are tied to each other. That respond and behave together until they are separated. And it doesn't matter how far apart they've reached. So when God observed the light, it split. He didn't have to catch it. He didn't have to catch the other particles that had already gone out. No matter how far they were, it was an instantaneous split. Whoa. But can you actually really honestly create the universe from sound? I mean, I showed you the ripples. That's great. Uh, I'm not ready to, to, to make the animal yet. But I, I just want to start with something simple, like in the beginning, before there was animals and life and all that, that, that we saw that the, the universe was already here in the dark ages, and I've proved that, but how were the stars born? Could God have spoke the sun into existence? Is it possible to speak a sun into existence? Can we prove that? I can say that God did it, and we can have faith in it, but can science prove it? It turns out they can't. So we're going to watch this quick three-minute video about how sound waves created a star in a lab in order to create a sun in a lab. They needed two things, a sound wave, which we now know the frequency of. We know the 
beginning frequency to that sound wave of God saying, light be. We know a portion of that frequency. We haven't mastered it, but we can see it demonstrated. We need two things, though. We need sound, and we need water. We need water to already be here for sound to burst a star out of it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. Why do you think he was over the waters when he said it? It's right there. So now we got the science of soul illuminescence, the science of how sons were birthed and how Genesis 4 comes to pass. Now he can bring matter and energy into it. So we have the science of stars. We have quantum entanglements. We have the laws of physics. And we haven't even left the first three verses. What happens if we read a whole page? God's word is true. His science is right. It's been right here the whole time. Here's my question for you today to be spiritual. If I took a scientific examination of your life, if I weighed the evidence of what I could observe about you, if I checked your social media, your mail, your friends, would the evidence point that God is at the center of your universe? Would the evidence say that his voice is driving you? That his word is alive in you? That is his light reflected out of you? Is he the first in your life? And would the evidence point to that wisdom? Or would the evidence point to your wisdom, your politics, your anger, your own wants? Second greatest commandment. Love God, love others. If I just examine your social media account, would there be enough evidence to convict you of a loving God and loving others? What does the remnants of your life leave behind? What are the ripples of your life? See, God didn't just speak light into the world and say it was good as a physical thing, but as a spiritual thing, that the light of God is good and that light should shine through you and I. It should come from us because it's good. Is there enough light coming from you? Is there evidence in your life? As I presented the evidence that God is real, is his goodness real through you? Is his light real through you? What does the remnants of his voice leave behind in your life? Does it create or does it destroy? Are you entangled to God? When he moves, do you shift as well? What does your tongue bring, life or death? What do you speak out of your mouth? Knowing that all of creation bears obedience to the voice, to the sound of God. And you are made in his image. You are carriers of his sound. It's why we emphasize worship so heavily at this church. Because the sound that comes out, I said, sing unto the Lord a new song this morning. Because the sound that comes out of your mouth, the intensity, the faith, the frequency of your faith changes creation. It changes the circumstances of your life. It moves mountains. It shapes things. You cannot destroy his creation, but you are in charge of the dominion of it. What are you speaking? What are you declaring? What are you decreeing? What is your voice going out? If your words, 
If everything you spoke did not fall down, but it went out and it sought everything that was spoken, what would come of your life? I don't want to go into a second sermon. I just want to take a minute here to say, if the words you spoke came true, would you like the results? Or are you speaking negativity over your life? I just never seem to catch a break. If bad luck didn't exist, I knew this would... What are you declaring and decreeing? Are you lining up with God? Are you speaking things out of your mouth and looking at them and saying, now that's good. Because here's the truth. If you examine some of the things that you've spoken out and look at the goodness of it, you would find that the darkness would flee from it. Just like God speaking light into existence, you need to take a look at what you speak. Pay attention to what you speak so that darkness has to flee. It has to separate. It can't hold on. It can't be entangled to you anymore. You are the light of the world because Jesus is in you and darkness cannot entangle you. I don't want you to be caught up on this. If you've learned anything, I could have just closed with that scientific thing and said, wow, that's cool, hoorah. But the truth is, is some of you need to learn to start speaking like God. And you need to take a hard week of looking at it before we go into the part two of speaking like God and get yourself in alignment and make sure you're on the side of good. Where God looks at you and says, good. Because here's the truth. God said light was good. What he spoke was good. But when he looked at you, he said, you are great. And he decided nothing better could be created, so he stopped. You are the pinnacle of his creation, infused with his power. And I've proven he spoke and created everything. What are you declaring? Or are you still in the asking business? Let me tell you what you should ask God, because we are not a demanding, spoiled, brat, rich church. We don't tell, God, I just want a lamb. You're going to give me a Lamborghini. We're not into that declaring that kind of way. We don't ask God to heal us. We ask God what his will is for us. And then we declare his will out of our life. You want to ask God for something? God, what do you want from me today? What's your will for my life? What's your plan for my life? Where's my steps ordained? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to say? What do you want me to do? And then declare that. Don't ask again. You want me to pray for that person to be healed? Great. Well, Lord, if you're so willing to heal, he just told you to do it. You Now you declare it. Body be healed in the name of Jesus. The ask was the will of God, and then you declare the will of God. We need to start learning how to declare the will of God. Some of you have something in your life right now that you're facing. Trust me, I'm preaching about all this stuff, about sound and speaking it and a creation. And I get slammed with, with illness and then, and then my hip going out and limping around for days. And I'm like, Lord, do I even believe what I'm preaching? I'm declaring my leg be healed. I'm declaring these things and I'm not seeing the manifest instantly. But you know what? I don't know how fast the speed of prayer is. I don't know. It took 29 days for Daniel to get it, so... Like, I don't know, but I believe God's word, so I keep declaring. I don't say, Lord, if it's your will that I might be healthy. I know his will is for me to be whole. I know his will is the perfect creation. And I know it wasn't his will for entropy and chaos to set into the world when Adam and Eve bit the fruit and unentangled the world from heaven. Heaven and earth in perfect harmony, in perfect entanglement. And Eve examined the fruit and broke the two worlds into two separate ways. Don't examine the fruit God has told you to stay away from. Don't speak the things God has told you not to speak. Do not separate yourself from heaven. 
We want to pray for you. Send us a message with your prayer requests through Facebook or email and let us know how we can pray for you today. Also, let us know how this message impacted your life. I love you. God loves you. Shalom. Shalom.